Hallelujah. Welcome to everyone tonight. If you are a guest, thank you for being with us tonight. We're glad to have you in service with us. You're joining us online, wherever you may be, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. Pray that you are blessed by it, in Jesus' name, and we give honor tonight to our bishop and mother Wright, and praise God, amen. You could uh, switch my iPad on, please. I'd like to read two verses to you before you are seated. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 12 says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Father, thank you for your presence in this place tonight. Thank you for another opportunity to join together to worship and exalt, lift up the name that is above every name. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of your body. I pray, God, that your spirit would speak and minister in this place tonight. Give us hearts that are open to receive ears that would hear what you would have to say to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I share these verses not because I'm going to specifically teach about them tonight, but just more so by way of reminder to you. Reminder that it is is extremely common throughout Scripture that natural things are used to illustrate spiritual principles. In fact, I believe very strongly that God purposely designed things in nature to give us spiritual understanding, that there's no accident to natural things, that, that, God, that God purposefully created natural things to give us object lessons and understanding of spiritual things. And so uh, I, that's why I use these verses and use them in the context because Paul goes on throughout this chapter to use the body. He talks about the members of the body. He talks about uniqueness he talks about the importance of all members and one member is not more important than another member so Paul very clearly uses the body to be an example to us of spiritual things and we are the body of Christ we are a part of the body of Christ and so I I believe it is my hope and my belief that as a church we are a part of the body of Christ that is bigger than us we, we believe, I, I assume you're here because you believe that Antioch is a part of the church. Antioch is not the church, but that it is a part of the church. That the church is worldwide. The body of Christ is worldwide. There is no one organization that is the church. We fellowship with the United Pentecostal Church International, but we do not believe that the United Pentecostal Church International is the only organization with truth. Amen. So we believe that we are a part of the body, the corporate worldwide body, but we also can kind of narrow that down, that, that we are a body, that as a church, a local church, it's, it's, it's considered a body. Amen. 
So there, there's something for a little while now that's kind of just, it's been one of those, I think some of the preachers here tonight can relate, it's been one of those things that's kind of just been off in the back of my mind, just kind of, just kind of waiting for a little bit of direction or uh, clarity to it. And that is, that is this idea of autoimmune diseases. It seems like, for me, maybe perhaps you, I've, I've heard more and more about them over the last little while. We've got some folks here that, that deal with uh, autoimmune diseases. And some of you know what that is, know what it means, just in case I'm about to read and I will... I'm confident this next slide or two is not really going to be big enough for you to read, but it's more so just to kind of be there. And again, as always, if you would like notes, autoimmune disease affects up to 50 million Americans, according to the American Autoimmune Related Disease Association. An autoimmune disease develops when your immune system, which defends your body against disease, decides your healthy cells are foreign. As a result, your immune system attacks healthy cells. Depending on the type, an, immune, an autoimmune disease can affect one or more different types of body tissues. It can also cause abnormal, abnormal organ growth and changes in organ function. The blood cells in the body's immune system help protect against harmful substances. Examples include bacteria, viruses, toxins, cancer cells, and blood and tissue from outside the body. These substances contain antigens. The immune system produces antibodies against these antigens, then enable it to destroy these harmful substances. When you have an autoimmune disorder, our immune system does not distinguish between healthy tissue and antigens. As a result, the body sets off a reaction that destroys normal tissues, that destroys healthy parts of the body. The exact cause of autoimmune, disease, of autoimmune disorders is unknown. One theory is that some microorganisms such as bacteria or viruses or drugs, may trigger changes that confuse the immune system. This may happen more often in people who have genes that make them more prone to autoimmune disorders. And so, hearing about this, and several months ago as I was going through, uh, when all of some of my physical issues that I've been dealing with started the very first night in the emergency room, the doctor I was dealing with before I was admitted began talking about rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune um, disease. And so not only do I know some folks, we've got some folks in the church that battle greatly with autoimmune stuff. And so hearing that and then some of the stuff I've dealt with being symptomatic of an autoimmune disease, whether or not it's actually classified as that, it's got some symptoms, my, my mind has just been kind of going, you know what, there's there's... There's probably some spiritual application to this idea of autoimmune disease. Probably. <laughs> and I believe I have that tonight. And I believe I want to share that with you. Again, the idea of our immune system is to attack foreign things that come against our body and destroy them. But... 
if you've got an autoimmune disease, your body actually starts to attack itself and attack things that are healthy in the body. Thirteen, fourteen years ago, we, we had something that we needed our immune system to kick in to fight against. We, we had the collapse of a building that was a great blow to us as a body. And we needed our spiritual immune system to, to fight against the effects of that. There, there, are, there are theories and philosophies in the world today that are going on that we need the immune system of the body to fight against those things because we don't want them infiltrating the body of Christ because of the damage they can do. So we need a healthy immune system, but the problem is when it, when it starts attacking itself. Paul says in Ephesians 4 and verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let me remind you, Ephesians is not a message Paul was preaching to sinners. It was not a letter written to sinners. Paul is addressing the saints at Ephesus. If you ever think we've got issues sometimes and you question if we are, you know, legitimately a church because of our issue, just go read some of the epistles. And read some of the things that Paul especially was addressing that was going on in the church, we actually don't have it that bad. There's a few issues Paul dealt with that, to my knowledge, we've yet to deal with. Hopefully we won't deal with. But but listen to what he's telling. He's telling saints, Hello? Hello? He's telling saints to be kind to one another. I know we don't need that here. He's telling them to be tender hearted. He's not talking about toward the lost. Be forgiving of one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. 2 Corinthians 12 and 19. Paul says again, Think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. Now verse 20 to me is a list of autoimmune diseases in the body. We're going to cover them. I fear lest when I come... I won't find you as I would. I'm gonna, we'll read this from a couple of other translations, but before we get there, Paul's saying, I'm afraid of what I'm going to find when I get there. And that I shall be found unto you such as you would not, meaning I don't think you're going to like what you get from me. And here we go. Here are, here are the autoimmune diseases. Debates. 
envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. These are things in the body that attack the body. These are not outside attacks from the, from the enemy. This is what goes on in the body, stimulated from the body. Message Bible. I hope you don't think all along we've been making our defense before you, the jury. You're not the jury. God is the jury. God revealed in Christ and we make our case before Him. And we've gone to all the trouble of supporting ourselves so that we won't be in the way or get in the way of your growing up. I do admit that I fear, I do admit that I have fears, that when I come, you'll disappoint me and I'll disappoint you. And in frustration with each other, everything will fall to pieces. This is the Apostle Paul. You get what he's saying? I'm afraid I might lose it. And when I lose it, you might not handle me losing it. So those of you that are looking for a perfect pastor, a perfect elder, that always keeps it together and never loses it and never disappoints you, you wouldn't even have made it in Paul's church. Because he said up front, I'm hesitant to come. Number one, because of what I'm going to find. Number two... You're probably not going to handle well what I do. There's quarrels and jealousy, flaring tempers, taking sides, angry words, vicious rumors, swelled heads, and general bedlam. (laughs) That sounds like a great church, doesn't it? Lastly, the New Living Translation says it like this. Perhaps you think we're saying these things just to defend ourselves. No, we tell you this as Christ's servants. And with God as our witness. Everything we do, dear friends, is to strengthen you. So Somebody needs to hear tonight. You need to trust your leadership. Congregation elders and other people that God has placed in your life. That what they are doing is to strengthen you. The trick of the enemy to come in and cause questioning and doubting and guessing of motives and reasons rather than trusting. I said it Friday night at the Made to Be Pure to the young people. There are things that in in the context of Made to Be Pure, this church teaches. If you don't know it, this church, Bishop has taught it and, and I teach it. I don't teach it because I have to. I teach it because I believe it as well. We we teach the principle it's good for a man not to touch a woman. You, you don't have fornication without touching. So it got to start somewhere. So good for a man not to touch a woman. You've heard it, but the word touch there in the, in the Greek means to start a fire. So we teach when you're dating, you don't touch. Now, let's be honest, to the world, that is absolutely crazy. 
That, I mean, compared to what the world does and promotes, that is so, it, it's really humorous. But the, here, 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 beyond that, our young people go to various events where they see young people doing the very thing we teach against. And the question has been asked at times throughout the years, well, well, how come we? And I, here's what I said Friday night, and I'll say it to you again. I don't answer for them. I don't stand before God for them. I stand before God for you. So I'm not going to ju- try to justify and excuse or make excuses for why we stand for what we stand for. I've said it two times now. I'll say it a third time. There's some things you probably shouldn't say. Do I believe that the majority of couples in this church that date and get engaged and get married will have come to the altar without touching? No, I don't. Why do you teach it? Because you've got to draw a line somewhere. And you're really stupid to draw a line right next to the edge. If that's a thousand foot drop, if I stay back here, I've got room for error. If I happen for some reason to fall, I've got space to fall. If I'm living on the edge, which some of you do, you want to live as close to the edge as you can. How far can I go and not sin? There's this term, I don't even think it's a biblical term, but it's a term that's been around for decades now. Is is it a salvation issue? (laughs) So, you want to live right on the edge? The problem is you've got no room to fall. How did I get on all that? I don't know. Oh, I know how it did. He said, everything we do is to strengthen you. Everything we do is to strengthen you. For I am afraid that what I, when I come, I won't like what I find, and you won't like my response. I'm afraid I'll find quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfishness, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorderly behavior. I, I, I realize it's not a theological thing, but I, I believe this is, this is a list of autoimmune diseases that we war against as a body. Because these things are within the body that attack the body. So let's talk about them. Debates. The Greek word for debates there is of uncertain affinity. It's a quarrel. By implication, it's wrangling. The word wrangle means to this, means this, to argue angrily with someone, to get something by clever methods or by persuading someone. Wrangling is to dispute angrily or peevishly, it is to bicker. It is to engage in argument or controversy. It is to obtain by persistent arguing or maneuvering. You know what, you can be persistent enough Argue enough, maneuver things enough to get what you want. But it could potentially be damaging to the body. 
He said, I'm, I, when I come, I'm concerned I'm going to find debates. Can I tell, can I, this, this is not necessarily connected. It's just a, it's just a, it's something that bothers me so much. If there's something about what this church stands for and teaches and believes that you don't agree with, I promise you, you can find some place that will teach exactly what you want. Don't sit around and try to make us something else. Don't get us to try to change who and what we are. If you don't like it, there's a whole menu of options. Right, I don't like what you're saying. That's all right, I'm in good company tonight. Paul said they wouldn't like it either. You you don't like the stance we take on stuff? First of all, you can come and not do, I mean, you you can be a part of this church and ignore basically everything that's taught. You can come as faithfully as you want. Nobody's going to stop you. Nobody's going to stop you. But the, the bottom line is, don't try to change us to justify you. Ooh, getting, getting, getting quiet. There's debates, there's, there's arguing, there's, there's, there's people that are trying to get what they want, change things, and so they're, they're, they're attacking internally. I'm afraid I'm going to find debates. He said, there's, I'm afraid there's envyings. Envious, or the, the Greek word is, the definition is an envious and a contentious rivalry. Jealousy. The word jealous is an unhappy or angry feeling of wanting to have what someone else has. I realize there are no envious, jealous people in this sanctuary tonight. I realize they're all somewhere else. I know all of you are completely fine and content. But at Corinth, Paul said, I'm afraid that when I come, I'm going to find some folks that are envious. I'm going to find some folks that look at some people that are in certain positions of ministry and are envious of that position, want that position, may do something to undermine to get that position. And so the body works against the body. Folks, we, we've got enough challenge fighting the devil With all that's going on in our world today, we've got enough challenge fighting the devil. God help us that we got to try to stop fighting each other. I know I'm preaching to spiritual, godly, wonderful people tonight, and I realize none of this applies to any of us here. So you just consider this to be informational tonight. He said, I, I'm concerned I'm going to find rats. The Greek word there means passion, angry heat, glow, ardor. And in this context, it's not passion for good things, passion to win the lost. It's passion perhaps about opinions. Passion about ideas that some of us have. 
Passion's a good thing when it's directed in the right direction. But when we've got passion that's causing us to be directed toward each other, we've got passion that's causing us to be heated and angry about things that cause us to be divided and separated. That's not a good thing. He said, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to find strifes. The Greek word for strifes is a courting distinction. It is a desire to put oneself forward. It is a partisan and factious spirit which does not disdain low arts. It, it is partisanship or factitiousness. A faction is a group within a larger group that has different ideas and opinions than the rest of the group. Oh, hallelujah. Sunday night was fun, wasn't it? Here in Arnold, I I guess y'all had fun in Baltimore, I don't know. Wasn't there? Did you? A group within a larger group that has different ideas and opinions than the rest of the the group. I'm just going to step out in it. We are, at, we are at a critical moment at Antioch. In this transition we're in, we are in a critical moment. Because if strife is at work, and we've got... Oh, wrong direction. If strife is at work, and we've got people that are putting themselves forward, and their desires above the body. If we've got a group within a larger group that has different ideas and opinions than the rest and are fighting for their ideas and opinions, division comes. Damage comes to the body. Oh, hallelujah. Say it again. We are at an absolutely critical moment. That if we're not careful, there's going to be an autoimmune disease of strife that finds its way in. Because groups of us get together with ideas and opinions. At the very least, we separate ourselves from the body. The worst is we start causing division in the rest of the body. I don't have to worry about y'all shouting me down tonight, do I? Hmm. Paul said, I am concerned that when I come, this is what I'm going to find. I'm concerned about how I'm going to handle it, how you're going to respond to how I handle it. The next thing he said is, I'm concerned there's going to be backbitings. It is defamation. The Greek means defamation or evil speaking. Now, he says backbiting, and then the next thing he says, we'll get to that next, is he says whisperings. They're they're, they're not the same thing. Backbiters are those who calum, calum, well, yeah, calumniate, smear, discredit, disgrace, slander, or speak ill of those who are absent. They speak ill of those who are not present. Out loud. In a public setting about those who are not present. You want to talk about an autoimmune disease. 
The body attacking the body. Whisperers, and this jumps ahead, but he touches on this. Whisperers declare secretly and with great reserve the supposed faults of others. Backbiters proclaim them publicly and avowedly. So he's, Paul said, I'm concerned when I come, I'm going to find backbiters and whisperers. I'm going to find those that are bold enough, they're willing to open their mouth in a public place and, 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 and attack someone. But also that I'm going to find whisperers. A whisperer is a derivative of the, the Greek word P-S-I-T-H-O-S. And what comes to mind there is Have you heard? Did you hear? Did you know? A whisper by implication is a slander. Probably akin to the New Testament word 5574. Whispering, i.e. secret detraction. It is a whispering. It is a secret slandering. It's when... You're out on Sunday night and you're sitting around at just your group that's within a group. You know, we, we can't all know each other. We can't all fellowship. Some of you are going to take what I'm saying right now and totally twist it. It is in, where we are right now as a body, much less where we believe we're going to go. It's impossible for everybody to know each other. That's part of the whole reason we need care ministry. We need small settings where people can develop closer connections and relationships. So I'm not, I'm, don't, don't get on some high horse right now with what I'm saying. That Not everybody's going to be best friends with everybody. It can't happen. We're too large for it to happen, and we also, it can't happen because some of you try, you kill each other. You just can't get along. Well, I thought we're the body of Christ. That ought not to be. Go check out how Peter and Paul got along. I'm just going to tell you, I think sometimes we get some grandeur ideas about things that are not scriptural. Well, we're all the body of Christ. We're supposed, yeah. What's also amazing, some of those, some that are usually the most vocal about that are some of the ones that are hardest to deal with. It's when you get together in a little group, group text. I got to tell you, we, we, there's a lot of things that go out the window with technology. I've been trying to think about this one lately. How does, how does all these, this, I'm, I'm not getting on some high horse or whatever here, just humor me for a moment, but how does all this posting of pictures of yourself on social media, selfies or whatever, how does that fit with, with what, G, what the scripture says about Jesus making himself of no reputation? I'm on, so I have Instagram and Facebook, so I'm not bashing either one of them. I, I, there, there, there's some preachers that really bother me. If you got to put it out there and, and get somebody to stroke you with compliments about the outfit you're wearing today, you got to, something's wrong.
And then we get in, because somehow it's being typed, we, we, it's not gossip. You know, the bottom line is, if you wouldn't say it to somebody's face, some of you would be greatly embarrassed if somebody read some of the stuff you text about them. Oh, hallelujah. I don't get to teach, preach in weeks, and then I do this. How about that? Isn't that great? That's the, that's the body attacking the body. He said, I'm worried that when I get there, there's going to be outward backbiting, defamation, but I'm also, there's going to be some secret slandering. You stand over in the corner after church, and you're over there whispering about your brother or your sister. You you notice what the Bible says? The Scripture says this. If you come to the altar, you come to pray, and if you know that your brother has something against you, you get that? If your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go to your brother. We don't do that. We don't do that. We don't go to the person that we've heard has something wrong with us. You know why we don't do that? Because we don't do the first part. We don't go to those we have a problem with. It's my opinion, the reason Jesus said, if you know your brother has something against you, go to your brother is because... The assumption is, if you've got something against your brother, you're going to take care of that. Oh, hallelujah. You know what? We use, we, we use some faulty measurements to judge our personal spirituality. Your dancing in church is basically absolutely no measurement of your spirituality. And if it really is, let's go to the bar and let's use the same measurement at the bar that you're using at church. There's a bunch of dancing there, and it is actually real spiritual there. Just the wrong spirit. If I said it once, I probably said it 20 times in my years of teaching chapel at ACS. I don't care what you do on Sunday night. You can do your two-step. If you can do a two-step, you can do your dance. You can cut the rug if you can cut the rug. If you ain't got a, if you ain't got a bit of rhythm, you can just stand there and hop on a foot and somehow eventually get back to the other foot and go back while those that got rhythm are doing their deal. Whatever. But you walk away from doing that and you stab somebody in the back and you're whispering about somebody and you entertain in carnality. That undermines every bit of what you did the night before. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, not by your doctrine, not by your speaking in tongues, not by your worship. 
All men will know you're my disciples that you have love one for another. Listen to what Proverbs 16.27 says. An ungodly man diggeth up evil. And in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife. And a whisperer separateth chief friends. A whisperer separateth chief, chief, not cheap. <laughs> that too. Chief friends. Proverbs 17 and 9 in the Amplified says, He who covers and forgives an offense seeks love. He who covers and forgives an offense seeks love. But he who repeats or harps on a matter separates even close friends. I have a word from God for some of you tonight. You ready? We need a little tongues and interpretation. I can add some tongues to give it. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Ready? Here's the word for some of you tonight. A word from God. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. But it's not right. They shouldn't have. He shouldn't have. She shouldn't have. They shouldn't have. Let it go. There wouldn't have been a cross with a Christ if somebody wasn't willing to let it go. Not only did he have the right, but he also had the power, unlike any other person, to get vengeance. But he let it go. Some of you are killing yourself spiritually and it's going to end up affecting you physically if you don't let some things go. Our challenge with forgiveness is we make, we make forgiveness some, oftentimes synonymous with if I forgive you, I'm telling you it's okay. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is about me setting myself free from the effects of the bitterness if I hold a grudge against you. But the bottom line is this. How many of you have ever asked God to forgive you of something and He forgave you? Oh, I guess that means He was saying what you did was okay. Isn't it amazing the double standard we have? He can forgive us, and when He forgives us, we know it's not He's saying it's okay. But I'm not going to forgive you, because if I forgive you, that means I'm saying it's okay. Whisperers, according to Barnes' note, is those who secretly and in a sly manner, notice this next part, by hints and innuendo, they don't just come right out and say it. Well, you know what you know what I heard was. I'm not totally sure about this, but what I heard. They detract from others or excite suspicion of them. It does not mean those who openly do that. 
Cal, Cal, I'm, I'm stubborn, stubborn enough to, somebody help me, one of you English scholars, Cal Hume, Calumniate, Cumniate, Culminate, anyway, since we've had such consensus, But that more dangerous class who give hints of evil in others, who affect great knowledge and communicate the evil report under an injunction of secrecy, knowing that it will be divulged. Let me tell you something. You you need to be careful. (laughs) You need to be careful of people that are... Listen, I haven't told anybody else this. I'm only going to tell you. A lot of times that is a big flag. Saying, hey, because some of you get real impressed with that. Somebody said, listen, I'm, on, I have, I'm, not, I'm, tell, I'm not telling everybody this. I'm only telling just a couple people. And I'm telling you and don't tell anybody else. You're all impressed because you're so trustworthy, not knowing you're like 15th or 16th on the list. But some, what Paul is saying and what a whisper is, it's somebody that's going to communicate something secretly, but they also know that person is going to spread it. This class of people abounds everywhere. And there is scarcely any... One more dangerous to the peace or happiness of society. So how, how about if we restate that this way? There is scarcely anyone more dangerous to the peace or happiness of the church. I, I, I said this, I think, in England last weekend, when, weekend before last. There is there's nothing the devil can do to stop the church. There's nothing the devil can do to stop a church. The best tactic, the best option, the best chance he has of stopping or hindering is to get us fighting each other. To get us whispering about each other. That's where the greatest danger comes from. Next, he said, I'm afraid there's going to be Swellings, and this is not based on those who are not eating properly. And it is a puffing up of soul, loftiness, pride, getting a high opinion of ourselves. You've you've been around here for any length of time. At some point, you've heard me say it. Paul said it in Romans chapter one, verse number one. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. I don't care what your title is. I don't care what position you get. He's not in here tonight, so I'll say it. And it's been kind of it's been interesting to me to watch now. And there's a couple of others. Brother Owens does it. Brother uh, Josh Taylor, the new military transferee, does it. But our first Antioch ministerial license recipient. After service on Sunday night, you'll see him with plastic gloves, a trash bag, walking around collecting trash 
from the sanctuary. Paul said, I'm concerned when I get there, I'm going to find some folks that have a little bit too high opinion of themselves. Think they are now elevated to a certain place and have all kind of rights and things that are owed to them. But go back to how he addressed the church at Rome. and He said, I am, an, I am a servant. I am called to be an apostle. But if you want to know what I am or what I consider myself, I am a servant. Then he said, I'm concerned that when I come, I'm going to find tumults. This is instability. It is a state of disorder, disturbance. Confusion. I'm afraid I'm going to find instability. Find those that are confused. I'm concerned that that's what's going to be there. And again, all of these things in this list are things that work in the body against the body. And basically the 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 channel of where they come from is something in the body. It's the body turning on itself and destroying things that it should be protecting. If you purposefully hurt yourself, you are considered to have an issue. There's nobody that seriously purposefully hurts themselves. I've never had an issue with my hand just going around pinching other parts of my body. Doesn't happen. I've never had issue with my hand slapping parts of my body. I've never had to tell my hand to stop smacking my face. Never had to do that. There have been some times where parts of my body not doing their job or missing something has caused pain to another part of my body. There have been a few times my eyes did not happen to notice the sharp corner of the furniture and my exposed toe got the brunt of it. But that was not something purposeful. It wasn't one part of my body intentionally Hurting another part. They're, 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 all of us in this room understand the fact it is not normal for you to hurt yourself. Is there anybody that doesn't understand that tonight? We all get the fact it's not normal for me to intentionally hurt myself. How then can it be ever normal for one part of the body of Christ to hurt another part of the body of Christ? How in the world can we justify intentionally? You know what? There's going to be times that we unintentionally hurt somebody. Anybody have a family that you've never crossed ways with each other? Any married couple in this place that's been married more than five minutes that you haven't? at some point, had a little bit of issue with each other? 
It's a part of it. I guarantee you, I'm, I am, I, I, I'd put money on it, Brother Skip, that there was some times on that ark that there was some daughters-in-law that shuffled off to their part of the ark. And old Ham got the notice, and I haven't seen Sister Ham for a while. I better go find her. And he shows up in their, 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 uh, their bunk in the ark, and she's sitting there, and he's, what's wrong? Nothing. Oh, what, what's wrong? Nothing. We all would love to stop at the next to the last nothing before the floodgates open. Oh, you all, you husbands, are a bunch of wimps. Look at you sitting there. I get no amens. Come on now. Really, what's wrong? Nothing. Okay, I asked. <laughs> I did my part. I'm finished. Yeah, right. <laughs> really, what's wrong? I've been the one doing all the cleaning. I've been doing all that. Your brother's wives haven't done one thing, and your mom's sitting over there, and she ain't doing I'm doing all of it. I guarantee you, in the amount of time they were on that ark, there was some contention at some point. Because we, we are going to unintentionally. There's a big difference between those unintentional hurts and me attacking you and purposefully, knowingly causing hurt and pain. So what is? I, I know, I, I got a feeling when I, when I finish this off, I'm almost done, a couple more minutes. When I finish this off, it's going to be so, oh yeah, of course. What, what, what is the answer to these things Paul listed that in the context of tonight are autoimmune diseases, things that in the body that are attacking the body? There really is one simple answer. And Paul gives us that answer in 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels... And have not charity or love. I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned, I have nothing. I ha- and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now, I'm getting ready to read to you the next couple of verses that probably the great majority of you in this place tonight are familiar with. I, as, as I read these to you tonight, I want you to think of them in the context of the stuff we've just talked about. And I think you can pretty easily see that in, 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 in these next several verses, somewhere there is some kind of an antidote to every one of the issues we just went over. Charity, love, suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, 
It doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. And the believeth all things is not believing everything the backbiter and whisperer says. <laughs> what Paul's referring to here, believeth all things, is meaning believing the positive, believing the good, finding the good to believe. That when somebody does something, rather than believing they intentionally were trying to hurt me, I'm going to believe that there's another side to the story. Let me tell you something. Anytime you get something secondhand, you're getting it with a filter. I don't care how genuinely the person relaying the message tries to neutrally relay it, there is a filter. Believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. And listen to the Living Bible. Verse 4, love is very patient and kind. It's never jealous or envious. What did Paul say I'm worried about finding when I get there? Worried about some envyings. Paul said if you got love, you won't be jealous or envious. It never is boastful or proud. I'm worried that when I get there, I'm going to find some swelling. Love is never boastful or proud. It's never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It doesn't wrangle. It doesn't debate to get what it wants. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. I'm worried that when I come, I'm not going to like what I find and not going to go well in dealing with it. But if we've got the love of God operating in us and through us, we don't have to worry about what's going to be found. Because love is not going to allow us to turn on one another. Love is not going to allow me to attack you as another part of the body. It'll cause me to rise up and stand against outward things that are coming against the body and fight those off. But if I've got true love, if I'm a true disciple of Jesus Christ and His love is being manifested in me, I'm not going to fight and turn against you. Won't you, would you stand first? I want you, if you would, in closing for a moment. Would you join with me tonight? And I want us to pray for a moment here that God would help us. That those things Paul said he was concerned about finding when he showed up, that we wouldn't find those things here. And that love 
true love. The kind of love that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13 would be operating in us as a body. Father, we join together tonight as a body, as a group of believers that you've called out of darkness into light. Lord, there's so many things we fight that come from without. Attacks of the enemy, things the enemy does to oppose us that we've got to stand against. But tonight, God, I pray that you would help us to recognize those things that the enemy tries to sow amongst us that causes us to actually turn on each other, to attack each other, to attack the body that we are actually a part of. Lord, I believe that just like the human natural body faces autoimmune diseases that we face those as a church, not just this church, but the church. We can face those things that get in amongst us and cause us to attack each other, attack healthy things. So tonight, God, I pray for this body that you have placed each one of us in. Let your love, your agape love, Lord, not a not a worldly kind of love, not a carnal kind of love, not a selfish emotion that we call love, but let true love, your love, operate in us. The kind of love that Paul describes, the kind of things that Paul says are behaviors, actions of love. I pray, Father, that in this body, you would activate, you would renew those things, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, we are in such, a, we are at such an exciting point such great things that are happening and exciting things in our future, but we're also at a vulnerable point, God. At a vulnerable point where the enemy recognizes that if he could get some autoimmune diseases working in the body, it could be a hindrance to what you're doing. So I pray tonight, Father, help us. Help us. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, each one of these things Paul stated, he was concerned about finding When he came to the church at Corinth, God, if you recognize those in us, I pray that you would help us to deal with us. If as individuals there are those things that are in us that were described, that you would help us as individuals to find a place of prayer, of dedication, consecration, a place of repentance, God, that we would not allow those things to be present, to be at home in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we trust you for your grace, your strength, your help tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, in Jesus' name.